January 22nd. It's January 22nd. It is January 22nd. We're almost to February already. Holy smokes. Oh boy. Oh boy. Are we up? Looks like we're up. Okay. We're here. I, uh, in case you were listening to the podcast version last week, um, the, uh, Canada jersey has remained on the, on the mannequin over there. Um, not sure what we're going to name it, but I decided to leave it, uh, until there, uh, are, are arguments against that. Oh. Um, Yes. Anyways, um, so yes, I'm taking naming suggestions for the, <clears throat> for the, for the handsome lady in, in behind here wearing the Canada jersey. It, it hasn't gone, it hasn't gone away. Anyway, <clears throat> how are we? How are we all? Uh, let me also quickly post this on the interweb that we're up online on the interweb. Um... Ba-ba-bum. We are up. All right. All right. Undivided attention acquired. How are we all? I hope we're well. Usually people file in over the first few minutes, so I'm trying to pad out the time a little. Uh, so I apologize if I'm... If I'm, uh, you know, padding out the time a little. Anyway, let's get going here. I hope you're all well. <clears throat> I uh, Just a quick status update. You'll notice that the tracking data this past week was a little light. Uh, only got to two guys this week. Uh, I was away for a long weekend in Boston, so that was a lot of fun. I highly recommend, if you have never been, to go uh, because it's a wonderful city. I highly recommend uh, going to that. Um going to that place we we i basically just gorged um it was pretty solid uh highly highly recommend um but other than that i went to the top prospects game on thursday so if you have questions about that feel free to fire it over um there's not too much you can draw from that i don't think i went kind of more for fun uh i know some people take it pretty seriously i was sitting in uh it was funny i was sitting in a section i was in the second last row uh in the stands and my row entirely was chicago blackhawks scouts and stan bowman was there briefly at the beginning of the game um so he was somewhere in the building but uh there was a lot of there was a lot of blackhawks guys floating around so i may or may not have been looking over their shoulder just a smidge here and there just for fun um and that was pretty exciting it was an exciting time um it was an exciting time and I'm a big fan of, of, of that situation. Um, but I really liked that game. It was a great experience. I mean, usually I would go every year if I could, but it's in my backyard basically in Hamilton. So we made the trip down briefly and, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, but again, in terms of conclusions from players coming out of that, uh, yeah, no, um, there's not much I can really write home about. It was really interesting though, because there were players I went in, uh, not expecting too much out of, uh, but coming away really impressed. 
And there were some players that I went in expecting, you know, either dominance or something close to it, and that didn't happen either, um, which is fine. You know, some guys might have had a good night, some guys might have had a bad night, but it certainly reframes how you kind of look at that, um, look at that long term, like how you how you how you keep you know that information and apply it you know, in terms of who you're going to keep an eye on and who you're going to look at. So, um, it was a lot of fun. Highly recommend going to a game, even just for the fun of it. Um, the guys seem to be taking it pretty seriously. I mean, there are scouts in the crowd, so you do want to show up. Uh, so it was really fun. I, I, it was, it was a lot of fun, but if you have any questions about that or players on the roster, feel, feel free to, to fire away. Cause I tried to pay attention as much as I possibly could. Um, as you can in real time. That's the thing. Someone asked me about after, after that game was over. I'll get to your questions very shortly as well. Uh, someone asked me afterwards, like what the difference is between in-person viewing and and what I usually do, which is data and and sort of tracking and video work. And honestly, the you get a feel for the pace of the game a lot better when you're in person. Um, you it, it, there's something different about it. Like the game on television seems to be slower a little bit. Um. Like there's more like latency to it, whereas in person you really get a feel for just how quickly everything is going, um, and it kind of changes the way that you look at the game. So you know, obviously, I'm trying to do more video work and a lot more of that this year to try to supplement just the raw data. Um, I'm not a huge believer in you have to go and see these players to you know really understand, but it helps uh, if if you can. So it was fun. It was a lot of fun to see that high level play out of the junior, junior guys and, and, and saw who, who showed up. All right. Right from the top. Let's get moving. Uh, Sparky God Colt. There's a good one. I like that one. Um, let's talk some Tyler Madden and Cole Lind. Yeah. Those two guys are having a good year. Uh, Tyler Madden, uh, I'm making an article, for the blog, uh, quickly, I'm trying to write a little bit more than I usually do. And something I'm going to put up on that site, uh, scouting.ca, if you don't, if you're not aware, uh, on the blog, I am going to be putting, uh, a, a list of players who are on my drafted prospect list that I didn't expect to be doing as well as they are. Um, Tyler Madden's on that list. Um, Coland is not, but he is recovering pretty well after a pretty bad season last year. I was always a big believer in Coland. I thought it was a good pick for the, for the Canucks when they made him. Or when they picked him, uh, Utica, something was weird last year with them. And I'm not totally sure how things are going this year, but it seems like Cole Lind is a pretty major player on that team. Um, and is coming along better than he was last year, which is promising. Uh, so hopefully he can continue that into the, into the future, as they say. Um, and with Tyler Madden, I mean, I always liked Tyler Madden. I just didn't think that, you, you know, he was, uh, he always had the skill, uh, I just was never sure of of the rest of the package really rounding itself out. Um, but he's come along really nicely, and he's having a really, really good year. Uh, I'm going to have to look him up to see exactly how good he's doing. Um, but he is he is certainly improving consistently year over year, if I'm not mistaken. So that's really, really promising. Uh, so Vancouver, I mean, on my sheet where I track all the players, Vancouver, I believe, is the number one team in the league uh, for sort of the data that I track in terms of prospect pipelines, like they, they have probably one of the more promising pipelines in the league. Um, but that also is a little tainted uh, looking at it now. Um, like Arvid Kostmar is having a absolutely disgusting year. 
Uh, Niels Hooglander is having a great year as well. Uh, Tyler Madden, um, you know, killing it uh, in, in the NCAA. Linus Carlson, ever since moving to Karlskoga, has been doing really, really well as well. Um, and Aiden McDonough is older, but he's doing well with, with Northeastern as well. Um, so it's kind of interesting. And you also, at the same time, uh, you have, you know, Jet Wu had a really big year last year. He's kind of taken a step back this year. But uh, I look at his deeper numbers and I'm thinking, okay, like, I think he's going to be fine. Um, he's a player that I think is going to be a bit of a project, but I've always been a huge fan of Jet Wu. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I think I, I'm always cautious about uh, NCAA players, but considering Tyler Madden is under 20 years old in terms of draft eligible, like he's a D plus two. Um, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good development for, for fans and Cole Lind in his second AHL year being much better than he was last year as one of the younger AHL players is, is promising. Uh, Jaden Struble and Cole Caulfield's potential, man, I get asked about Cole Caulfield all the time. I honestly don't know. I, I he's a great goal scorer. I'll, I'll, I'll certainly give him that. Um, you know, he was, I think he was underutilized at the world juniors. Um, but the fact that, you know, he's on pace for, if I'm looking at this correctly, he's over half a goal per game, which is pretty impressive, uh, for a freshman, especially. So he's, he's doing really, really well, I would say, especially on a team where they don't like Wisconsin doesn't need to just play their top line 25 minutes a night. Um, they can just roll two and a half lines I'd say of offense and and get good results out of it um but you know the expectation from what I've heard is that he's gonna come over at some point he's gonna you know he's a one and done out of college so you know I hope that they don't rush him because I can see how entering the NHL right away might be a lot uh as much as he's a shifty guy on his feet quick on his feet dangerous shooter dangerous scorer uh, you don't want to be rushing a guy like that, um, especially if your team isn't really in a position to be an, a playoff contender. Um, so I hope that they play the patient waiting game with him. Because um, also there's no real reason to rush him, unless, especially considering he's a point-per-game university freshman. Yeah, it's on a really good team, but I, it's just it – do, it, it doesn't feel like the right move. Um, it, it, it's, it's, does, it doesn't feel like the right move to me. Uh, and with Jaden Struble, I mean, he had a slow start for sure, but he's starting to figure it out. Um, offensively, the, the, the thing with him always has been that offense was never a problem. Um, when I watched what I could find of him last year in prep school, the skating is remarkable. The offensive talent is really, really good. Uh, his defensive numbers in college this year haven't been great. Uh, but they're 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 solid uh a lot of it it seems to be is uh oh actually it's about even between even strength and uh between even strength and power play he's doing pretty good balancing that out um i think he's regressing back after a bit of a slow start this year he's kind of regressing slowly back to where he should be uh so i would hope that the trend that he's on continues um, but I mean, from the data that I have at even strength, he's got primary points on 50% of the goals scored when he's on the ice at even strength, um, which is pretty remarkable, uh, for a defenseman. Usually that number's around 25, 30%. So he's doing a really good job, probably in a bit of a small sample, but it, he's getting there. 
Um, but he's a player that I kind of knew would be a bit of a project for, for the Habs, but um, it's promising, I, I would I would say. Uh, Sparky God Colt follows up. Is Lindell the one that has had three concussions this year? Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, that's... Well, Hendricks Lapierre has had three concussions. Anton Lindell has had a few injuries this year. I don't think they've been concussions, um, but he seems to be healthy now. He's absolutely on fire in the Finnish men's league this year uh the last I think he has a point in, or 14 points in his last 14 games there which is bananas uh so he's he's you know he's a guy that a lot of people say doesn't have a ton of offensive upside uh I'm not gonna say he's got as much offensive upside as some of the other guys in this draft at all but I certainly think that the idea of him being a very good player at both ends of the ice in the NHL is not outside the realm of possibility um he's quietly efficient i guess is kind of where he is uh and i think you know if he keeps continuing the way he's continuing then the idea of him you know like right now i'm pretty sure i'm locked in on my top five the order of which can be maneuvered lundell if he keeps up the pace he's at probably puts himself in that top six and that locks me into a top six there you know, like Jamie Drysdale and Cole Perfetti are also doing really well in their respective leagues. But when I watch both of those guys, there's just something about them that bumps them down to that seven, eight, nine, ten range to me. It's like razor thin stuff from what I've seen, but I just, it's a gut feeling that just kind of bumps them a little lower. And I'm finding now that there's a lot of players that I'm really excited about that if I'm sitting at a draft table, I have ranked higher and I could probably get if I have a pick in, in in that range. And there's other players who are more highly touted that are kind of falling a little behind where I don't have the right gut feeling about them. Um, that if someone, like someone will likely go up and draft them before I get the chance to even have to think about it. And that might be kind of a good thing. Like I'm looking at Cole Perfetti and I have him, if I'm not mistaken, let me check. The most recent... Uh, the most recent range I have him, so I have him at 10, but I could totally see a team making a pitch to take him at 4 or 5, and I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I probably wouldn't, and I could totally see a team doing it uh, and leaving someone like an Anton Lundell to, to, to go down the range a little bit. I don't think he will because he's a center and he's good defensively, but uh, in any case, this is uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I guess with with those guys. Um, excuse me, I uh, must rehydrate. Uh, next question, Dylan. Oh, it's Dylan. Oh boy, here we go. Uh, who? Where? Okay. Also, where are you putting? Also, oh, finally, not late to a stream. Good. Welcome. Uh, where are you putting Ovchinikov these days? He's been on fire, and he's finally a lock for my first round. First round is a bit rich to me. There's a lot of players, I think, that should be first rounders that, that, that to a lot of people aren't. This year's draft from, I'd say, about 20 to 60 is, like, crazy. It's crazy, I think. I think that teams that loaded up on second round picks and, you know, uh, go through the trade deadline and add a first round pick or something in the late first from a contender 
like this is the year you do it. Uh, this is going to be a pretty wild draft, I think. I, and not just because of the talent available, but I could totally see a team jumping at the chance at taking, you know, someone not even close to ranked in the first round. Like I, I would be personally really surprised. And this, that I, I feel like I have imposter syndrome, but, but I'm so confident that someone like a Murat Kuznodinov. No one's really talking about him as a first-round pick, but if a team went up there at 27 or 28 with their second first-round pick that they got for a rental, I'm sitting there going, if someone goes out and takes him, I'm not surprised. Just, like, take the risk and see what happens. Because every every time I watch him play hockey, he just blows my mind. Um, you know, he, he just blows my mind. And, and, and in a way where if you're studying the game and paying attention to the actual things that are going on is on the ice, then then you kind of really would like to have a player like that. And if a team just took a swing on him in the first round, it wouldn't surprise me. But at the same time, you know, teams might look at his lack of production and where he plays and, you know, maybe the fact that he didn't produce at the World Junior A and whatever, uh, then maybe they'll look at him and go, eh, we'll pass. Uh, not that lack of production has prevented players from getting drafted high before, um, but he's a player where I could see that being a surprise, um, to, to some people, but, uh, with Ovchinikov, I'm not totally sure right now. I think I have him in the mid second round. Um, yeah, so I have him at 53, but again, I do things usually in tiers. So I could totally see him, you know, like if someone at my scouting table pitched the idea of taking him with a 36th overall pick or 37th overall pick then I would sit there and go, let's talk. Like, let's let's go down this road and, and really see who's available and, and go from there. Like, that that I would absolutely be accepting of. I mean, he's over 30% involvement in, in the league. A lot of his production is secondary assists, which is kind of weird, but I don't really care. Like, whenever I watch him play, I'm going, okay, um, he's a center, so that's one thing. He's He's a center, which is great. He's a great skater. His hands are ridiculous, um, at least for compared to other players that... I mean, Ovchinikov was a 70-something ranked European skater by the Central Scouting, and I'm looking at the guys in that range, and I'm going, no. Like, n- not... That's just not... You haven't seen him do the things he's capable of doing. And he was slow to start the year a little bit, um, but I've been watching him for two years now, and... Uh, yeah, I the trajectory on this guy could be really, really positive. I'm a big fan of him. I, I, I. It's kind of hard. Like you have to kind of watch him. He's got that. He's kind of similar to Kuznudinov in that you kind of know what he's doing on the ice, both in both ends of the ice. Um, you know, he he's if you can tell from this data here, offensively and defensively, he's a net positive to his team. So when and he's getting more and more ice time the year goes on as the year goes on he's an August baby so in a year you know he could be absolutely shredding the Russian Junior League he could be playing in the VHL for example um and he wouldn't be that old or that young or sorry and he wouldn't be that old playing at that level relative to sort of NHL projectability so I have all the time in the world to talk about where to take this player um I would certainly take him before 53, but when I look at who I'm ranking, um, like Caden Gooley, 
Uh, Pavel Novak, I really like Pavel Novak. Helga Granz, Tyson Forster, Sam Colangelo, Martin Kromiak. Like, it's a really hard call to pick between all these players. They're just all so talented. You know, and you got to pick one. And you know what? I, when I look at them all, I need to see more of Ovchinikov, like track more data and everything, because there are some things that I question. But compared to his age and the deeper numbers that you can pull out of him, I mean, he's a player that I think you could get in the third, fourth, fifth round and and be laughing all the way to the bank. Like, if he's there in the third round, that's a player that I'm charging to the to the, to the the microphone to yell. Uh, you know, and... and I, so you you kind of got me with one that I that I like, and Dylan is a member of of my Discord group, so he knows how much I like this guy, and I know how much he does as well. Uh, Jonah Wright is Jack Quinn for real or just a product of a stacked Ottawa 67s team? Uh, he's for real, I would say, but I don't. I think he's overvalued. Like he's gonna, he's a case of a player that will get drafted before I would take him. Like I have him. Um, you know, and th- so here's the thing about players like Jack Quinn. So Jack Quinn is, if I'm not mistaken, like two days away from being draft eligible last year. Uh, yeah, four days. So Jack Quinn is four days away from being draft eligible last year. Assuming he was draft eligible last year and you drafted him in the first round, are you happy with his production this year? Keeping in mind that I'm usually skeptical of players that score a lot more. Like, if your player is well over 50% of their points coming from goals, that 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 generally, to me, historically, based on what I've tracked, does not bode well for future success. But he's very skilled. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, he's a hard worker. Uh, he's got a great shot on him. His hands are really, really nice. Uh, you know, and his defensive numbers are good relative to a really, really good team. Um, but it, it seems like a player that I think I have in the second round, I probably will end up having him higher. But again, this, this year's draft is so deep that, that, that I don't, it's really hard to create, you know, this player is, is better than this player. And this player is better than this player. It's, it's so hard. I mean, but I look at, you know, for example, I have Ovchinikov three spots ahead of Jack Quinn. He's 11 and a half months younger, so there's almost a full year of development less. Um, Ovchinikov may not play in the same quality of league, but, you know, he's producing, you know, more relative to his team. So in terms of involving himself in offense on his team, he's doing that better. He's pushing offense relative to his team better. Um, you know, and even if he ends up you know, a bit better in terms of production next year in that Russian Junior League, or he's playing against men in, like, that's an advantage too, is that he's going to be playing maybe against men. Uh, that That's a plus. Whereas Jack Quinn, he's probably going to go back to Ottawa for a year, uh, and it's going to, they're going to kill everyone. Like, that that team is just insane. Uh, so he'll probably be an extremely good scorer in the in the OHL, and he's gotten better as the year goes on. So I probably will have him higher than this at, by the end of the year. But the age scares me a little, uh, and the team quality does kind of scare me. But it's I don't find Jack Quinn to be much of a passenger on that team. I guess is what I'm saying. But he's a player I think for sure uh, will get drafted higher than he sh- than I would take him, um, and I'm sure he'll turn into a fine player. But in terms of, I like 
to swing on upside and use data to identify who has the most upside. And I, I have a hard time seeing the same kinds of things that some people are seeing, putting him top 20, top 15. I think hockey prospect had him at 11. Um, and I just, I have a hard time with that personally. Um, ba, 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 ba. thoughts on Paterka versus Reichel. Uh, yeah, you said you take Reichel. I agree. Uh, it's close, like you said, but I certainly go with Lucas Reichel. Uh, Paterka's a lot of fun because he's got a really nice set of hands on him. He's a good skater. Uh, he does not look out of place in a men's league there, but the when I like when I start tracking data on him versus Reichel and you start a being it it's it's not they're not really in the same quite the same class uh Lucas Reichel is not only uh creating dangerous chances for for his team a lot like he's he's moving pucks to the middle of the ice in the offensive zone a lot uh but he's also you know getting his own chances from in close a lot uh, he's a bit slight on his feet. He's a skinny guy, but I don't really care. He's playing against men in Germany and getting to the slot all the time, getting shots away from the slot all the time. Um, and, and I think that for him, the potential is really, really high. Uh, he's a quietly effective player. He's not going to blow the barn doors off of a defender, um, but he's going to work hard to get the puck back. And once he gets the puck back, he knows where his teammates are and he knows where to find them. Paterka, I find, is much more of a you know, give me the puck on my blue line and I'm going to carry it and get my own scoring chance type of player, which is fine. I just feel like, uh, there's a, there's a lack of depth to his game right now that I don't think Reichel had, that I think Reichel has. Um, I think Reichel, you know, his scoring rates are very high, comparable to Stutzla, And there's reasons for that. He, he just knows how to generate chances that can lead to offense uh, whether it's his own or someone else's um and when you remove him from his best line mates well best line mates their numbers kind of crater um from what i've been put from what i've seen on on german league analytics um so he's a good hockey player and probably should be a first round pick if lukas reichel's there in the second round he's a player that i jump at the chance to pick and like, I really get the feeling that, I mean, last year, excuse me, I really get the feeling like last year there was a lot of teams kind of get making weird picks, uh, but there was like one, two, or three, or four players that just kind of kept slipping, uh, and, and you know, teams like Carolina or the Rangers would just take a swing on them, uh, and or the Kings would just take a swing on them and go from there. Whereas this year, I honestly... There's 60 players, and I'd say 40 of them, you literally could make a legitimate case to put them almost in any given order based on your preferences um, or based on or, or based on kind of, you know, what you like. Um, I, I have my own biases and preferences in terms of how I like to see the sport played, um, but there's, a, there's just so many legitimately talented players that run the gamut that... I honestly have no idea what's going to happen, and I I would not be surprised to see someone like a Lukas Reichel slip to the second round, uh, and and someone you know picks him up. Like I, it was Toronto last year with Nick Robertson, uh, Vancouver with Nils Hooglander, um, Bobby Brink and Arthur Kaliev going thirty two and thirty three. That's that's a separate sort of whatever thing, 
Um, they're, that's basically a first round pick. And those two guys were pretty clearly extremely good considering who was taken before them. Like those were pretty no brainer picks to me. Um, but like Nick Robertson and Nils, Nils, Nils Hooglander kind of stick out to me as the guys that were really highly ranked to me and should have been gone in the first round. And then they kind of, um, they, they kind of take us, you know, they slip a bit, but then you kind of make that pick this year there could be tons of players where that happens um there's just so much talent out there this year that i that i really it's it's a good year um and reichel might be one of those guys paterka he he shows really well like if you're sitting and watching the game paterka is a lot of fun to watch but just in the data that i've tracked uh it's been it's been interesting to to it's it's been an interesting comparison and i i think reichel is a step ahead. Have you watched any NWHL this year on Twitch? And what do you think of their decision to make games freely available online? I have watched a couple. Uh, I honestly, I'm not the best fan of the NWHL. I, I don't, I don't know the names of the players. There's been a lot of turnover. Um, but I do enjoy just watching hockey and women's hockey has taken so many steps forward. Uh, I watched the under 18s. Uh, if you watched my recap of the world juniors, you'll know, um, I think it's about time that we, you know, made that, gave that tournament a platform because that was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but the NWHL is good hockey. Um, the fact that they're doing it on Twitch, why not? Uh, I think it's, I think it's a good case study uh, of of how the this might how sports broadcasting might work in the future. I have always dreamt about you know, the NHL creating an archive of old games online or clipping games down uh, to highlights and saying, you know, here's the 1975 Stanley Cup final. And if Twitch and the NWHL can say, well, here's the model that we had uh, and here's the revenue we kind of pulled judging by this viewership, it gives you a bit of a backbone to go to someone a little bit more uh, conservative like the NHL to say, here's how it works on this system and broadcasting doesn't need to be the only way to do it uh if you have the rights to these kinds of things it doesn't need to be live games it doesn't need to be this or that because broadcasting contracts are still very valuable it's just thinking outside the box and thinking okay well how could we better leverage digital platforms because all that really digital platforms depend on it's just like television it it depends on your audience um and advertisers to me it's pretty good return on investment to advertise on digital platforms versus maybe broadcasting on something like Hockey Night in Canada. Google ads on YouTube comparatively are relatively cheap. Um, But if the NHL is running them and there's people watching it, whether it's old games or whatever they want to put on, then that could also work. I I think that putting stuff online for free, uh, you know, it's not easy when you have to pay your athletes to to play in the league to to say your broadcasting is going to be free. Um, but, you know, there are ways to make it work or at least create a revenue stream that way that's more than just, hey, we have a YouTube channel and put up a video every few days, you know, and, and really quick highlight videos. Um, I feel like they could do better. But the NWHL, I think, does a good job paving the way on that. So I, I have watched a few games um Boston Pride I believe are still undefeated last I checked I think they're 18 or 19 and 0 which is pretty wild um regardless of whatever criticism you might levy that that's a pretty impressive streak of wins 
in a professional uh, league. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited for the future. I think it's a bit rocky, obviously. Like the the infrastructure with women's hockey is a bit rocky, but I think that over time it's gonna it's gonna figure itself out one way or the other. Uh, the the momentum I think is just too much. Uh, the 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 momentum is too much. I mean, again, it, it always it, it kind of the Kendall Coyne Showfield thing last year at the World Junior or at the All Star Game was remarkable that i think was like a watershed thing step one and then step two i think was to me the under 18 tournament like sitting down and watching the gold medal game especially ten thousand people ended up watching it no one even knew really where to find the live stream you kind of had to dig for it uh the quality of the video was like mediocre at best uh but people watched it and the hockey was good um throughout the tournament as well uh we just saw the japanese women's hockey team win the gold medal at the youth olympic games and that is even crazier uh that that's nuts to me that's an under 16 tournament um so keep an eye on it and if you can check it out uh it's free the nwhl the youth olympic games is streamed on youtube as well i imagine those are archived i'm not sure um so so lend your support i suppose is what i'm getting at uh, what are the go-to tournaments to watch throughout the year to evaluate prospects? Uh, I like the under 18s. I, I really like the under 18s. Um, that's a fun one to watch. The world juniors are good to sort of see what draft eligibles can do against older players, uh, really highly touted older players. So that's kind of a good check on, on that. Um, the Holinka's fun. I when I watched the Holinka this year, I tried something new where I just sort of sat with a piece of paper and just listed, you know, a plus and a negative, and just wrote down the numbers of players. So say twenty-two, and just good, and I would add a check mark and a tick and a tick and a tick, and then just look into the players where I found myself enjoying what they did a lot, or checking out the players where I didn't enjoy what they were doing so much, and then kind of exploring it that way. Um, but beyond that, I don't put a too, put a ton of, of stuff into it. The World Junior A is good uh, for for viewing some guys. Like, it's good to get a wide range of viewings. Um, but, you know, I, I always sort of go back to club games. And I don't mix... I don't often mix teams uh, when I track data. Although there are some guys where you can't help but do it. So guys like Rodion Amirov, uh, Martin Kromiak now is one of those guys. Jan Mashak where I just can't look at one league specifically. I have to sort of break it up, which makes video production maybe a bit more complicated. Uh, but it, it that, that I just kind of move things around uh, that way and, and we'll make it work. But um, <clears throat> yeah, so those are my go-to, pros- go-to tournaments. I would say definitely the under-18s for sure because uh, they've had the whole year to get up to game speed. Uh, the, they take really good players to that tournament usually as long as they're not in the playoffs in the canadian hockey league i believe most of them show up um the world juniors are good too but the under 18s i think is the one where i really pay attention um i don't think it lets me excuse me i don't think i put put too much judgment uh, against it but it is very very important to sort of see you know like last year i saw Braden tracy there and i wanted to see Braden tracy away from his teammates and he still performed quite well. Now, I think I might have been undervaluing Tracy still, uh, but it's a good sort of kick in the pants to be like, yeah, he's le- he's a legit hockey player and probably, you know, is a good pick for the for the Ducks when they took him. Um, 
Sam Kohler, scouting report hints. Like what? Um, no. Uh, well, I have, I think I'm up to 62 players where I have at least one game of data. You're not going to get 62 videos. There's no idea. Um, there's no way that that's going to work. Uh, I just don't have the hours in the day. Unless all of you decide to give me like $50 a month on Patreon, um, then I, then I might be able to make this a thing where I can fire out that many videos. But I have like two hours a night to do work, so I can't. Um, but I am sorting them into players that I definitely want to try to make a video on and definitely want to get seven games of. And then other guys where it's like, if I can get to it, I will get to it. Um, and and I'm, I would like to track more players that I haven't tracked yet, but I do need to start tracking guys I've tracked and get moving on that. I'm up to three games on a few guys, especially European players. Um like Lundell and Hervinen and, and, uh, Holtz and Raymond and all those guys. So we're getting there. Um, but the early ones, I haven't totally decided. Um, but I want to do a lot of highly ranked players this year. Last year I was, I asked fans sort of what they want to see more of, whether it's sort of the first round, second round rated guys or the diamonds in the rough. I still will do that, the diamonds in the rough kind of players. They do exist. Like, we were talking about Dmitry Ovchinikov. He's pretty much a shoe-in. Um, but the the other side of it is uh, I I need the views. I'm sorry, but I I need the I need the views. Um, and, like, last year, my Pod Colson video, which I knew was going to be either people were going to really like it or people were going to not like it so much. And after the draft, I definitely knew people were either going to like it or really not like it. Um, but it got to 11,000 hits. So that's not bad. Um, whereas I did one on Justin Bergeron and I don't think it's ever hit 400. Um, so yeah. And, but then at the same time, I do someone I'm really excited about like a Dominic Fensori and it's kind of okay. It does fine. So it seems like people just want to know about the very top end of the draft. So if you, those names, if those names are at the top end of your of of the draft lists, uh, you can expect that I'll at least have enough data to make videos, and if I can get around to it to make them. Um, last year, I would kind of film and produce about one a week. Uh, I'm hoping I can increase that, film enough to make two or three videos, and then fire those out over the course of a period of time. Um, but yeah, in terms of hints basically look at the first round most of those players if not all of them i will get to seven games um but for the diamonds in the rough i mean if you watch this a lot or you follow me on twitter and you know keep up there are players that i'm really excited about that not a lot of people are looking at a ton um just to name a couple just because we're all here like william wallander will probably get one um I've constantly thought about doing one for a goaltender, but I don't know how I would have the time or how I would do that being someone who's never played goalie and never thought about that aspect of it. Um, Lucas Reichel probably will get one. Uh, I would really like to do one on Murat Kusnadinov. That's a pretty much a given. Um, you know, I, I, there are players who I'm kind of curious to do like Seth Jarvis, uh, Justin Surtif, Cause those players kind of strike me when I watch them as guys who are going to become really, really good junior scorers, but when when it comes time to professional hockey, they might have some trouble. 
maybe not so much Seth Jarvis, but Justin Surdiff's numbers are absolutely ridiculous uh, at both ends of the ice, but I just can't help, based on what I've seen and what I've tracked, I just don't know if there's enough uh, right now to really call him, you know, to, to say his numbers line up with, with what I'm seeing. Um, I, I think pace of play is going to be a thing that, that is a major barrier for a lot of players. Uh, and, and he might be one of those players. Um, so I hope that kind of hints at who, uh, but I, I'd have to double check, but I'm definitely over 60 players and I'm starting to get to the point where I like the watch list that I put here in the thing there. Like, there's players where I need to watch them to see if it's worth tracking them, which might be a downside because I would like to track them all, and I might be just missing what my eyes aren't seeing, which is totally for real and legit. But at the same time, I don't have 24 hours a day, seven days a week to do this, and I need to be picky, especially now. Um, like there were some players early in the year where I tracked and now I look back on it and I'm going, what were you doing? Like, wh- why would you waste your time tracking that? And it's only because they were a point per game for the first five, six, seven games of the year. And I thought, ah, who knows? Maybe this is a legit situation. Um, but I am trying to, you know, track as much as I can, but you know, if it's say 1130 at night, I probably won't want to stay up and track a whole game or two games. Um, so I'll just put on some tape of a player and and see what's there and say, okay, if this is legit, I'll add it to the list. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, but but there's about 60 players where there's going to be at least some data that everyone will get to see uh, closer to the draft. Patrons can see it now. Uh, and if you are a patron and you've never seen it, please let me know and I'll send you the link um, on my Tableau channel. Uh, or it's on, I think it's on Scouching as well. I think I embedded it into the website there. Uh where you can sort of visualize the data that I'm tracking. Um, so yeah, there's that as well. Uh, hope that answers your question. That, that was long-winded as usual. Mark Volbeck. What up, man? What's going on? Any NCAA potential free agents standing out to you? Uh, I really like Roman Asan. Akan, I think is his name. Uh, plays for Wisconsin. He plays on a line with Holloway and uh, Doogie. I really, really like him. He's really good. Um... I don't know if he's going to leave school. I think he's still pretty young. The other one that's kind of young that I would uh, keep an eye on is uh, um, Matt Brown. He's a player that I've mentioned before. He was really, really good in the USHL last year. I thought he might get a draft pick, uh, but he didn't. So, unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, but he's a player that that I could see being an NCAA free agent. If it's not this year, then maybe down the line. He's still a free agent. Um or he's still uh he's still young and i believe he's on record saying he wants to stay there uh at school for a while uh so he probably won't be leaving after this year but he's a player that i certainly would be scouting and looking at and and seeing if he you know building that relationship invite him to camp uh see what he can do cuz i really really like him and he's had a great freshman year so far um beyond that I'm always skeptical of NCAA free agents. Like, I kind of had a thought experiment, like, if I was an NCAA free agent, because the thing we always hear is, oh, this player signed with this team because they can guarantee top six minutes. You know, Max Verano, Jimmy Vesey, Ryan Kufner, Taro Hirose, you know, they all signed with teams where there's a spot on the lineup. They would make a spot on the lineup for these players, which I can't blame them. Like, obviously, if a team's like, we want you in our top six, you're not going to say no to that. 
you know, you could play with Chris Kreider in in a week. It's like, well, sure, I'll do that. Why not? You think I'm that good? Sure. Um, but the other side of it is, well, what if you temper those expectations? Like, what if you're the team that plays the more careful approach of it, even though you can't really be that careful about it because most of these players are 22, 23, 24 years old. They're kind of done developing usually, but you could say, look, we're going to sign you to an NHL contract, but we're pretty sure you're an NHLer. Uh, we're pretty sure. Or you're, we're pretty sure you're an AHLer at least for a bit so that you can get your feet set. And we want you to be confident once you hit the NHL. We don't want to bounce you around from the NHL to the AHL trying to figure out what it's going to be. Like, here's the developmental plan for you to see what you're, what you're capable of. You know, and if you stick to it, then maybe you're a guy that we call up. And if I'm a young player, that's not as attractive as saying we're going to drop you into the top six. But if you think long term, you know, maybe that's a better option. I just don't know who in the NCAA I would go out and run out and pick. Like, Parker Ford went to the World Juniors and, like, he was a guy on that team. I don't think he needed to be there. Um, He's been great, but I'm just not sure. Uh, And and maybe he's a guy who gets drafted. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The NCAA also is not one that I view a ton. Um, But the more and more that I've seen come out of it, the more skeptical I am, I guess. Uh, Wisconsin is having a not bad, a not good season. That is true. They are not winning a ton of games. I'm just, when I watch them play, um, they're a lot of fun to watch. They do have a lot of offense. They're just not, I find they're, I find they chase the puck quite a bit from what I've seen and they kind of sacrifice a lot of defense that way. Um, if I'm not mistaken as well, their goaltending isn't great. Um, let me just look it up. Where are they? Uh, yeah, like Daniel Lebedev is playing most of their games. A 322 goals against average. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, Roman Hassan is the guy that I would probably look at. Akan. I think his brother went to the World Juniors as an under undrafted player once. Um, yeah, so he's a sophomore. Maybe he'll leave. Maybe. Uh, but he's a player that I certainly would start to build a relationship with and say, hey, let's hang out. Let's have a couple of drinks uh, when you're 21 and uh, let's let's chat because you're you're pretty good at hockey. He's just a lot of fun to watch. Really hardworking guy along the wing. And I think that, you know, for an undersized winger, he's a player that I certainly would take a look at. Um, do you think Stutzla is getting overhyped early? I don't think he's getting overhyped. I mean, I, okay, putting him... I saw one ranking, I can't remember who it was, but they put him above Quentin Byfield. That is overhyping him. Uh, but having him at, say, third overall or fourth overall or fifth overall, I've had him there almost the whole year, um, and I think that's perfectly legit. I, he's extremely talented. Uh, and in terms of just raw skill, he might be one of the most raw skilled players in the draft. Uh, really one of the more, and also I would say one of the more exciting players in the draft to watch. Um, I mean, I find a guy like Alexi Lafreniere really exciting, but exciting in sort of a, I love the sport kind of exciting. Whereas if you're a fan and you just want to stand up when they score goals and have fun when you watch them play hockey, then Tim Stutzla might be the guy out of this draft that might be the most fun. Um, I just think that, you know, 
maybe he gets drafted a bit higher than fifth overall. Uh, I I could see putting him third or fourth if you really liked him, but bumping him out of the bumping Byfield out of the two spot is a pretty hot take. And it really leads me to believe that people looked at the World Juniors and maybe even the Top Prospects game more recently and said, oh, maybe Quinton Byfield is not what we thought he was. That Those people would be sorely mistaken. And if he falls to three, then that's the easiest third overall pick you're ever going to have to make. But I wouldn't say Tim Stutzla is getting overhyped. I think people are just hyping him as he should have been hyped from the get-go, uh, considering how good he has been all year. Uh, people are seeing him more, seeing what he's capable of, and, and are, I think, properly evaluating him now. Uh, just watched a Chiefs game live, and Adam Beckman looked really good. Thoughts on him? Man, he hit a totally other gear this year. I thought he was good last year. I thought he'd be a good sort of Swiss Army Knife player, uh, skilled, you know, good skater. Uh, not a Swiss Army Knife player in the type of, like, he kind of floats around the ice and just kind of chips in offensively. It was more like... He's good in in his own end. He's good at the offensive end. He's he shows off his skill. Um, he uses his teammates effectively. But I wasn't sure where that would take him. Boy, he's taken a big step. Uh, he's done quite a lot for himself this year. That was a good pick uh, in that slot for the Wild. And I think that I, while I still feel like his ceiling might not be as high as his production might indicate, he does. He has had a really really good year. Uh, and I don't really believe that it's smoke and mirrors based on what I've seen of the Chiefs. Um, he clearly is a very, very good player in that league. And uh, I, I'm curious to see where it takes him in his career because he's he's been incredibly good this year. Um, who are the potential fallers and risers at the draft table this year? Well, uh, it's funny. Like usually within about a week of the draft is when you really start hearing of names where people are looking at them a lot harder. So... Moritz Sider was a big one where you heard people saying, oh, he might be a top 15 pick. Oh, he might be a top 10 pick. Oh, the last minute rankings are all putting him at 8, 9, 10, 11. Um, that always happens close to the draft. I can totally see, you know, I think Hendricks Lapierre is dropping like a rock. And as much as I love Hendricks Lapierre, there are reasons for it that are legit. Um, I could see guys like Jeremy Poirier start to slip in the draft tons of tons like guys with tons and tons of talent but stuff where you watch them play and you go why are you doing what you are doing kind of things it's it's stuff that you know you would you would you would really need to know what you're doing uh in order to develop that player properly and i think a lot of teams are hesitant about that about mistake prone or or selfish thinking players uh, to the point of like a Poirier, which is how I kind of feel about him as much as I think he's got a tremendous amount of talent. Um, I could see him kind of slip. Uh, I have Ronnie Hirvonen ranked really high. I could see him slipping because he's not Anton Lundell. He plays in the Finnish men's league. He only has, what, eight points this year or something, nine points. Um, but I think, but I think that that's something that, um, but I think that that's something that teams still undervalue. And if Ronnie Hirvonen slips out of the first round, so, like if 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 you're sitting at 32, like last year, you had the choice of Bobby Brink and Arthur Kaliev. If you're sitting at 32 this year and you have a choice of Ronnie Hirvonen and Lukas Reichel, I don't know what you're supposed to do. I have Hirvonen ranked higher, 
but it's not that far apart. They're in different tiers, but I, it's that's it's like everyone else should have made this choice for me, but now I have to like do this myself, and I don't want to. Um, but you know, I, there are there are there are tons of players that I could see shooting way up the draft board. Uh, you can always kind of bet on centers and defensemen, uh, especially if they have size. So to me, that leads me to think that guys like William Wallander will get drafted really high. Um, guys like Lucas Cormier will fall in the draft. Um, who else is a center on this list here? Uh, big centers, big centers. Who's a big center? Um, Dylan Peterson might be a guy that someone takes a swing on in the first round. Jake Sanderson will probably get drafted very high. Uh, who else? Uh, Helga Granz, even though he's a bit of a defensive mess, uh, he could, or am I? No, he's not. Sorry. My mistake, Helga. Um, at even strength, he's not that bad defensively. Uh, weirdly, weirdly ineffective offensively at even strength. Um, but, uh, who else is a, who else is a big center here? I don't usually rank players super high based on their size. Um, but they, they, they do exist. Uh, Yarmir Pitlick might be a guy that goes really high. Um, Whereas in terms of guys that might fall, I would say that the players that might fall are smaller. Uh, you know, maybe they play more selfishly, quote unquote, uh, to the point where you really question, like, I'll take selfish play if it works, but selfish play when it doesn't work is really frustrating to watch. Especially, I think I posted a video a while ago on Twitter of, of Jeremy Poirier not only skating into a one-on-four on his own, he didn't chip the puck through the four players, but he also had two wide open breakout options. Either it was his defense partner behind him or there was a winger streaking up. Uh, I believe it was the left wing when he was crossing up the middle of the ice. He didn't move the puck to any of them. He lost he lost possession and I believe it was a three on two coming the other way. So it's like, and that's not uncommon. So it's stuff like that that happens constantly and never gets any better where I think teams will look at that and go, you're talented, but, but, but there's stuff here where it's like you need to do a lot of work and then you sort of get into the interviews and the personality traits type type of thing and kind of go from there and that's where I kind of lose my intelligence in that area uh but beyond that I don't know and and Hendrix Lapierre I think is a guy that just because of his injuries I think is going to drop um and maybe someone you know I, I don't see it happening uh, but someone like a Rodion Amirov who, who plays in the KHL a whole lot, uh, might fall down the draft lists a little bit because he's not producing a ton, but that might be a mistake teams regret in, in the future. Um, Casper Simontoval might be a guy who slips. He's already ranked really low by NHL central scouting, uh, 36th in Europe. That's a player that I think should go in the first round, but probably won't, um, so there's a lot of them, but again, that's more because of how much talent there is, uh, in, in the draft. Jesse Barre thoughts on Jacob Truba. I'm a Ranger fan and feel his contract might be the biggest regret of our rebuild. He turns it over with his time shot. Doesn't skate up. Um, well, I always liked Jacob Truba. Um, I honestly, and I, I know you're a Rangers fan. I don't, I, and this is just kind of a blanket statement. I don't know what's going on there. I don't understand what what the equation is where you get the results that they're getting and the situation that they're in. 
Um, I mean, Artemi Panarin is ridiculous. We can all agree on that. He's on any team. He's ridiculous. Uh, Adam Fox has been great. Um, you know, but, and their goaltending has been good. So like, I, I look at that team and I go, I don't know why players, there are certain players there who just look terrible and have such a hard time, you know, have a hard time working, you know, looking like a cohesive hockey team. I don't know what, I don't know what's going on. Um, because Jacob Truba was not this, you know, cause I agree. He hasn't been as noticeable in New York as he was in Winnipeg and Winnipeg, I think misses him. They're being pretty much carried by Connor Hellebuck right now, but he, I always really liked watching Jacob Truba play defense. He's smart. Uh, he's a careful player, you know, and let's just take a quick look, uh, uh in my Bible, um, here. It's not actually a Bible if you're a podcast uh, listener. This is uh, HockeyViz.com, which you should all give a little bit of money to every year. Um, just want to take a look at Truba's numbers this year relative to last year. Um, wow. Oh, I have to... Apologies, I have to log in. Um, okay. Refresh. Uh, yeah, like it's a, it's, it's very weird. He completely defensively has gone off the, off the wagon. Um, well, I mean, at the same time though, oh, see, it's hard. I mean, I'm not totally sure. He's a bit of a mess in his own end. Um, the penalty kill also doesn't look great with him on the ice. The power play doesn't look great with him on the ice. Yeah, he seems to have taken a step back, and I'm not sure what that's all about, especially in his own end. Offensively, he's following a relative similar trend as to what last year was. He was about average offensively relative to his team. Um, but, geez. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. I don't know. And again, I think there's a few things in New York where you're going, I don't know what what's happening. Uh, any thoughts on Jamison Rees getting suspended again? Seems like he's making crummy hits that would... Uh, Seems like not ma- not making crummy hits would be a skill players could improve. Anyway, I see what you're saying. Uh, I would say patience. And also, uh, the NHL doesn't enjoy calling penalties a whole lot relative to junior hockey and other leagues. So maybe it just translates directly when he makes the switch. But I, I love Jamison Rees a lot, and I like... Other than the stuff that, you know, the dirty hits and all that, which they are. Uh, other than that, I really, really like him. And I think that he's got a really good future in the NHL. Um, and I would just be patient. Like, sometimes these things need to be refined. Um, I hope that Carolina's attitude is to sort of... And I imagine that it is. Because Carolina's not a team that's stupid. They don't want guys in the penalty box, uh, as far as I can tell. Uh like if we're just looking at team stats, uh, where is Carolina in penalty minutes? Uh, teams, penalty minutes. Uh, can we do that? Of course we can't. Of course we can't. NHL.com. Unless it's this, and you have to go here. Penalties. There, that'll work. Get stats. Penalty minutes. Carolina is 16th in the league. So, not super, not super high, 
middle of the league. But I imagine that understanding that they don't want to be on the penalty kill, they're probably not thinking too much about taking penalties. So they probably don't want to bring a young guy on who's just going to be in the penalty box all game, especially someone as skilled as Jamison Rees. Um, but I would be, I would preach patience. Uh, Michael Vecchio. Hey man, what's up? Good to be back in the stream. Yes. Good for me as well. Uh, as a Rangers fan, I think Chris Kreider trade is a big possibility. If they finish out of the bottom 10 in the league, is Dylan Holloway a realistic pick? Sure. I mean, Dylan Holloway with the Rangers seems like it makes sense. He brings a lot of energy. He brings it every shift. There are some shifts where maybe he's a bit invisible, like roaming around the ice. He might abandon his responsibilities in his own end a little bit. Um, but I think he's just, I think the jump from the AJHL to the NCAA, especially in, in Wisconsin, where that conference is very good, I think that might be a bit heavy. And when you're playing behind names like Alex Turcotte, uh, and, um, oh, there's another center there who's very highly touted and I can't think of their name. Um, but him and, you know, he's kind of behind them there. He's not getting a ton of power play time. And I think he's adjusting and he's slowly getting there. He's a player I think you need to leave in the NCAA at least for another year, personally, and let him, you know, especially if Turcotte leaves and Cole, and Cole Caulfield leaves and all that, uh, that might be a guy you want to bring uh, and give a full-time major role to because uh, he's pretty talented, and I've seen him just take over shifts before. Uh, he's a dangerous playmaker. He's got a good shot on him, and I think that taking the swing on him might be worthwhile for the Rangers, and I think that would be a good fit. They just have to be patient, I think. Um, oh, I got an eyelash in my eye. Oh, boy. Uh, Martin Chromiak. Oh, no, that's not actually Martin Chromiak asking the question. Brian Brian Pepe. Pepe. Always love playing with that name. Brian Pepe. Um, Chromiak has been good in his early OHL days, and he's super young. Is he close to a first-rounder? Yes. Uh... I've watched Chromiak. I've tracked a couple of games uh, in the Slovakian league. I will keep going in the OHL. He's done pretty well. That actually, that top line in Kingston now is really good of Chromiak with Shane Wright and Zade Wisdom. I really like Zade Wisdom. Zade Wisdom. Zade Wisdom. Uh, He's really fun to watch. uh, Really skilled. Pretty good skater on his feet. Works really hard as well. And you know what? I kind of like him. And and completing that line with Shane Wright and Martin Chromiak has looked really good. Uh, Chromiak seems to be able to sort of flex his muscles a little bit more in this league than the Slovakian one. Uh, he wasn't really relied upon a ton uh, in the Slovakian league as like a puck mover. But he, he moves around the ice really efficiently. He gets to dangerous areas. He gets his shot away. Um, his team uh, wasn't giving him the best opportunities to, to, to get himself into scoring chances and, and, and shoot the puck himself. But I, I think that in Kingston, he's going to get tons of ice time and tons of chances to prove that, that he's doing well. And you know what? He's done extremely well. I mean, if he keeps up this pace for the rest of the year, his NHL score is 28. And the only players at 28 or higher... And that's Kingston Frontenacs only. So small sample size for sure. Um, but 28 and above amongst players that I've ranked is a club of eight players. And they include Lafreniere, Byfield, Rossi, Drysdale, Perfetti, Perot, and Tyson Forster. And if Mark, Marco, and, and if Chromiak can keep that up, then Chromiak's going to be legit. And I am a believer in him. 
He's ranked uh, the NCAA, or NHL CSS had him at 35, which implies he might be a mid round pick. And boy, if he's a mid round pick, then Bob's your uncle. That's a that's a guy that I'm swinging on easy. Um, I don't know if he's a first rounder, but certainly if he sustains this all year, then then yes. I just don't think I see quite that out of him. Uh, what's your opinion on the recent player polls showing that 90% thinks advanced analytics are irrelevant and don't care about them? They don't need to care. It's not their job. Um, and that's kind of where the divide needs to kind of be bridged. And it's why I try not to, at least nowadays, when I first started, it was all analytics all the time. Numbers, numbers, numbers. And now what I really try to focus on, especially now that I'm tracking data and watching way more games, uh, I'm really trying to to say okay here's the data that i tracked and here's the player's play style inside that data you know written in a report and how the results came to be and then you can sort of explain to the player like you're not generating uh you know you're not generating your zone exits because you're doing this you know you can tell a player like on average defensemen break pucks out with control say 48 percent of the time you're doing it 40 percent of the time so and here are ways that we think we can achieve it systematically like you know we'll move your partner around here on breakouts or you know try looking for this player a bit more or whatever um you know if your first instinct is to dump the puck off the glass maybe try circling back a bit and if you're having trouble with that then we'll get the skating coach to help you work on that So I think players were phrasing, were looking at that question saying, well, I don't care what my Corsi percentage is. That's fair. I don't think they should care. That's not their job. That should be the analytics staff working with the coaches and, you know, to say we're noticing this trend with this player or we're we're noticing this with this line and here's the video and the data to back up kind of the point we're trying to make. Maybe we can work on a fix then you can sort of filter it down to the players from there. But in terms of, like, players going on evolving hockey and looking at their GAPM or whatever one-size-fits-all metric you want, I don't see why they would do that, and I don't see why they would put value on that. Uh, especially the guys who, you know, like someone was saying that Connor McDavid wasn't the best player in the league because of how bad defensively he is. I don't think Connor McDavid or the rest of the National Hockey League Players Association really cares that much about how weak Connor McDavid is defensively. I think they just go... I don't want to play against that guy, so don't put me out there on it. I just don't want to do that. And that's what makes you the best player in the league. Um, but there are ways to communicate it accurately. Or efficiently, I guess I should say. What do you feel about Jesperi Kotkaniemi's progression so far? Do you think he's a bust or the kind of player to take a few years to become elite? Well, that's a wide gamut you just offered. Uh, either a bust or become elite. Um, well, he was very good last year. That's he was very good at things that young players are often not very good at. Uh, I think the Habs as a whole, similar to the Rangers, there's something weird going on. I don't know what it is that's kind of withholding them. Um, But Kotkaniemi's 19, so it's fine. He'll get there. Uh, They were, it seems like they're trying to turn him into a two-way guy. You know, great in your own end first, yet let the offense come from there. I don't often think about doing stuff like that. I usually am a fan of letting young players play their game. And Kotkaniemi, 
sure he looked fine in the NHL last year, but I kind of would have liked to see him in Finland again for another year, send him to the World Juniors, do all that stuff, and let him just clean house in that league and get the offense sort of flowing. Because in his draft eligible year, he was very good offensively, but he wasn't, you know, like he wasn't even close to Capocacco, for example, uh, in terms of production or, or, or a lot of metrics. But Kakanyemi did drive possession really well. Whereas I would have thought, okay, keep doing what you're doing in Finland, but just go back and, and, and get better. Uh, but putting him straight in the NHL, I also understand that. Uh, and he did get good results. But I just get the feeling that you might have given him a little bit too much too soon, and it kind of there's a bit of a slump going on where you know he he might not have the same confidence that he had last year offensively. Um, but I do think that long term he's going to be just fine. I I just don't. He he was a bit of a reach when they drafted him, but I think he's going to be just fine with the Habs for sure. They have enough prospects and players to to make a team, and he's going to be a big part of it. I think. Curious about your thoughts on Shakir Mukamadoulin. Oh my god, someone finally asked me about Shakir Mukamadoulin. I... D- so, I'm in a chat room, and we now have, uh... <laughs> I, nah. It's, it's a running joke, because I don't understand where the hype for Shakir Mukamadoulin is coming from. This is just me. This is just me talking. But... I don't know why he's in the KHL playing 90 seconds a night. I don't know why they feel the need to elevate him to those kinds of positions so young. Uh, I the guy, the guy reminds me of what Nikita Zaitsev was doing last year. When he has the puck, you grab your seat and go, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And like 20% of the time, it's fine. 50% of the time, it's off the glass and out to the opponent. The rest of the time, it looks like he has no idea what he's doing. Um, He can skate okay for a big guy in a straight line going forward. Transitional uh, transitional play is not great. He's not doing much gap control so much as he's letting the opponent catch up to him because he can't really skate backwards that well. Um, And so he he can deny entries and exits doing that, but God forbid someone gets around him. Um... I'm not high on him. I don't have him ranked at all. I, I just don't, I don't see it. I have, I've tracked a game of his and his results were fine, but I just don't get it. I don't see where it's coming from. Um, and maybe that's something that I'm wrong about, but if he's a first round pick in 2020, I, I be my guest. Like if you want to do like, that is a thing where if someone on my scouting team was pushing and the general manager was agreeing with him, you would need to show me video from what must be every game or tournament that I have not seen him in to convince me that there's something there that I'm not seeing because I don't get it. I just don't get it. And putting him, I saw some, there's some rankings out there that have him above some objectively better player. Like it, it, it to the point where you're like, I don't know what sport, what, how you, what you value in this game. I just don't get it because I hate defensemen who handle the puck like they, the last thing they want is the puck on their stick. And that sometimes is how I feel watching him play. I want defensemen who can move the puck. I want defensemen who play with confidence. Uh, I want defensemen who can skate both forwards and backwards and transition and do it while looking effortless. That's kind of what I'm looking for. And I just don't really see it out of him really at all. Uh, so that there's that. 
Thoughts on Payunyemi? Last time you said it was a small sample size, so it might be luck, but considering he's continuing his insane scoring pace, could you... Well, that was, I think, like two weeks ago. Um, and yeah, it's continuing. Uh, so... Uh, let me just pull him up. Like, it... Hmm... It's just that I'm... Oh my god, he has 23 goals and the next highest goal scorer has 9. That's crazy. Okay, well, let me look. Um, I'm just going to pull him up. Is he not in here? Oh. Wait, why is he not in here? Um... My my apologies. I'll get there in a second. I'm just pulling up his numbers in this other sheet that I have. Um, P A J. There he is. Well, I mean, okay. So it really seems like he's pretty much all out offense, uh, even relative to his team. Um, so that's fine. And the offense outweighs the the defensive shortcomings. Shooting the puck a ton. Uh, not huge even strength production, so a lot of it is power play. And I'm just, maybe it's just a lack of teammates, um, but considering his track record, I just find it unlikely that all of a sudden he's exploded into this massive goal scorer. Maybe I'm wrong for sure. It's entirely possible. Um, I'd have to go and take a look at him and, and how he plays. Um, but... But yeah, I don't know. Sometimes these weird things happen. It's just a lot of the times it's just statistical outliers. Uh, and he's also, I think, last I checked, shooting the lights out relative to his career. I think he's tripled his shooting percentage this year. Um, so maybe he just has an incredibly hot year. I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, here's a good question from Mr. Radzap. What's wrong with Matt Boldy this year? I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, sometimes guys have a rough time transitioning to the NCAA. Uh, sometimes they just have a hard time transitioning. I mean, not giving him a spot uh, with the with the World Junior Team that kind of sucks. Uh, but at the same time, one, two, three, four, five in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like five points in his last nine games is still better than one in his first 11. So he's kind of trending positively. I'm a believer in Matt Boldy. He's young. He's not even 19 yet. So be patient. Uh, I certainly don't. I'm, also, Boston College has had players come to their program in the last few years and they just have not achieved what they expected out of them. Uh, Alex Newhook has been good. Uh, oh, actually, very good. Um, that's better than I thought he was. But some guys just don't... Just don't have... For some reason, in, in Boston College, it's just tough for them. And he's one of them, it seems. Uh, Spencer Knight is doing extreme... Oh my goodness, I have hiccups. Excuse me. But I think Matt Boldy will be fine. You, you have to be patient. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think Minnesota is in any rush to compete immediately. And, uh, 
I, I think that if they give him some time to, to continue to develop, I think they're going to be just fine with, with their pick. Probably not the guy I would have picked in that slot, but he'll be fine. Hopefully. Uh, did you ever see Cats the movie? Oh, God. No, I don't even like Cats the play, so I don't know why I'd go see the, the game. No. No, wasn't it the worst movie of the decade as well? Um, got any data on Daniel Torgerson? Oh, yes, I do. So the thing about Daniel Torgerson, I think, is is he going to be a good power forward at the next level? Um, I think it's possible. He's he's in terms of two way play, he's just killing the 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 Swedish Junior League right now. Uh, but he's really big, really good puck possessor as well. I'm not sure what his upside is. I have him ranked in the third round, which I think is probably about where I'm comfortable with him. Um, I don't know if I'd run up to draft him, but his numbers are very good. Scoring a lot of goals, more goals than assists though, which is always troublesome to me, but he's a really good puck protector and, and really strong on his feet, which is, and you know, like impressively so. Um, so maybe he's a guy that switches over to the CHL next year. Uh, if he, if he wants to, I don't know why you'd leave for Lunda's program, but, but maybe he gets convinced to, to do that. Um, cause I feel like in the CHL, he might get challenged a little more physically, uh, and, and for a physical player, I think you want your guy, uh, getting, getting challenged that way. But, uh, he's looked very good from my viewings of, of for Lunda for sure. Which player could be the next Barzal or Debrinket? Basically a guy who's a middle to late first round pick to become something special. Well, um, Casper Simontoval comes to mind. I really like him. Um, he's a guy who I think is undersized and people might be sleeping on him because of expectations coming into the season. Um, there's no like massive producers that I really see on the same level as, uh, 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 Debrinket. I mean, Barzal was a top 10 pick who probably just should have been drafted before he was drafted. I mean, I, I always imagine Matt Barzal wearing a Bruins jersey and, it it just I'm imagining that team with Matt Barzell. I mean, yikes. Uh but now he just kinda slipped past those picks and then got got just got drafted way later than he should have. Um to bring it, there were legitimate concerns, and I will say that until the day that I that I die. Um really hot last year as well, and it's kind of he's regressing now, which makes sense. Um because he was shooting the lights out for two straight years. Uh, but now you're sort of seeing that kind of regression. But um, I'm really interested to see where Alex Poshin's career goes uh, in terms of an undersized winger who has tons and tons of skill. I really like Alex Poshin. Um, but players that might be later that 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 might turn into things... I mean, Sean Farrell is another one. He's killing the USHL right now. Um, but I don't think like any, I don't think there's any statistical insanity like, like a Debrinket where they're available in the second round or like a Kali of last year. Um, but I, so I don't think there's a player on that level, but in terms of an undersized skilled guy who probably gets drafted later than they should, I would say Simontoval and Pashin are right there. Uh, Farrell is up there as well. Ryan Francis is really good. I like Ryan Francis a lot. Um, and his numbers look really good. So he's, he's another one, um, in terms, especially in terms of like an all out offense type of player. Danny Gooschin is, is really good as well. There's a lot of undersized scoring wingers that, that I think could, could come a ways. Um, but definitely feel really good about, about 
Simone Tavall, um, and, and Alex Poshin. I just always love watching him play. He's just a really entertaining hockey player. Um, is Holtz more a product of Raymond or is Raymond a product of Holtz? What do you mean? They don't, they don't play together. Um, at the world juniors, I, I mean, if I'm watching both of them play individually, I find that Raymond is more of a play driver than Holtz, but Holtz is more of a trigger man. Like Holtz is good with the puck. He's fast on his feet as well, which I really like, but Raymond has something about his game that's very Lafreniere-like, where he pushes play really well uh, and also kind of gets his 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 reps in offensively, but maybe not to the more lethal level that a Holtz does. Um, and and I think Raymond defensively at least is a bit better uh, in terms of 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 tracking down pucks, cutting off play in the neutral zone, um, and and turning things around. Whereas Holtz, I think you know. Holtz has a he's a lot more fun to watch I think um but I think you're gonna get good players either way uh you're gonna get a really nice two-way guy out of Raymond with offensive upside whereas with Holtz you're kind of getting an all-out offense sniper kind of player which is also just fine because he's very good at it uh speaking of the youth olympics did you see any of it uh here and there I saw a bit here and there. Um, Matt Vemuchkov looks really good. Ivan Miroshnichenko looks really good as well for, for Russia. Um, Matthew Savoy obviously looked looked pretty dandy. But, you know, I, I, I might need to go back and watch more. I just kind of was... When I saw the news that the Japanese women's team or girls team won, I went back and watched some of that. I did watch some of the three-on-three tournament that they did, which was really fun. That was a really, really fun tournament to watch. Um... And because it, it was just like a lot of fun, like they just took a bunch of kids from around the world uh, who played hockey, put them in a three-on-three tournament together, and 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 just kind of had some fun and, and handed out the medals. And I would recommend going to check that out because it's not every day you get to see kids from from Singapore uh, play on a team with players from Bosnia and and Spain and Canada and you know wherever. Um, and if look if if the if the Youth Olympics can think outside the box like that and and just do something that makes people feel good and you know is really nice to do for these people then then maybe the powers that be in this sport could probably do something similar or at least a little bit more um because gosh it's a lot of fun to see endearing things these days and i found watching that three-on-three tournament where they're elevating these guys who never you know like a kid from Singapore, the chance of them making the NHL is so minuscule, but even elevating to this platform for them just to have that experience might, might just be enough to get them pushing to, to get at least as far as they possibly can rather than, Oh yeah, I played hockey when I was little, but I had to give it up because yeah, I just was, it was just, wasn't a thing in Singapore. You know, like, it's that mental thing, especially for kids, where you just kind of spark them a little. And I feel like that also works for adults. When you when you spark adults a little, it's amazing what, what can come out when you just kind of give them a reason to, to be sparked. Um, so, yeah, I would check it out. I would, I would, I would recommend it. It was, it was fun to watch what I, what I watched. Uh, do you already have guys in mind for doing a full scouting report video on, oh, 
I answered that already, and I you said that I was covering it, so I'm gonna skip your question there, David. Uh, Jake Candela, Zari or Mercer? Boy, Mercer, and I would say that it's very close. Uh, I like the upside of Mercer quite a bit, uh, whereas with Zari, I think Zari's gonna be a really good, quietly effective player, but. Boy, Mercer in tight, right in front of the net. Uh, Mercer on his feet is is really special, especially when he has the puck. His play away from the puck, I think, could come a ways. But, man, I mean, considering he's a bit younger, not a ton younger, but but he's younger, uh, and, and what I've seen of both, I really like Connor Zari because he can look like he's not in the play and then, bang, the puck's in the back of the net. And, and I like that about him, but you're going to need to know what you're getting when you're drafting him. I don't think I could see Connor Zari, like, really quarterbacking an NHL line one day. He'll need good puck possessors, hardworking energy wingers to sort of complement him, which is fine. Whereas with Dawson Mercer, I think there's a bit more oomph there to like, I guess you could say, if I'm being scientific. <clears throat> Theodore Niederbach is ranked 29th, 31st, and 81st. Where do you see him go? I have seen him. Um, there was one, He's one of those guys where I, whenever I watch him, I'm going, yeah, I can see it. He's good. He's skilled, blah, 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 blah. And then I think there was one or two plays in the times I've seen for Linda play where I'm going, oh, that's the, that's what they're talking about. Like, he's, he's done a few things of, like, uh... He's done a few things that are like end-to-end rushes where I'm going, oh, okay, I see. But the thing I always keep in mind is like how often do you see wingers or, or you know, wingers go on end-to-end rushes in the National Hockey League? It doesn't really happen very much unless you're like a real high-level player. Um, and I'm not sure I see that out of Niederbach, but uh, but Niederbach is, is good. I don't I don't know where I have him ranked. I'd have to pull him up in the machine. Uh Niederbach. Like, yeah, so relative to Forlunda, his offensive output isn't great. Um he you know even strength production isn't as good as on the you know, at all situations. So I have him in the third round behind Torgerson a little bit. Uh first round might be a bit rich to me. You could maybe convince me in the second round, depending on who goes, but I'm not told, not as sold as some others. But I see the flashes. They're just very brief. And when it works, it's like, oh, okay, now I see why. But then most of the time I'm sitting there going, okay, like he's kind of there. He's a guy, he's producing, but a lot of it is on the power play. And yeah. Um, Keegan Griffiths. Hello, Keegan. Are there any players that will probably be available at 20 to 30 that you think could be really good picks? Many. Um, I mean, if I'm looking... So I guess what you might also be asking is who might slip that are ranked really high on my list? Jan Mishak, I think. Uh, William Wallander could be there. Um, Ronnie Hirvonen. Jacob Perot, I really like Jacob Perot, And I don't think he's going to slip, but if he does, that could be another good one. I think Connor Zari is going to get drafted pretty high. Maverick Bork, when he's on, he's on. Um, but I would say that this group here, so Mishak, Wallander, Hirvonen, and Perot, those four guys would be guys that I would keep an eye on for for them slipping. Rodion Amirov has started to slip a bit in rankings, but I still think that someone's going to take a chance on him. I'm a huge fan of Rodion Amirov. Whenever I watch him play, 
I think he's going to become a really effective winger in the NHL one day. Maybe not like a first-line quarterback of a line, but, you know, he's a dangerous player whenever he's on the ice. And and I think he's got a lot of potential. Um, but, you know, if you want a defenseman in the 20-25 range and William Wallander is available and say Jeremy Poirier's slipping and he interviewed poorly and you're concerned about Maverick or um, Lucas Cormier's size, you could easily make the case to just say, let's take Wallander and, and see what happens with this kid. Cause I, he's legit. He's an extremely fun, uh, beautifully skating six foot four guy who's born, you know, very close to, I think he's a late July birthday. Um, and you know, he's not putting up a ton of points against men, uh, yet, but you know, he's, <laughs> he's doing the thing and I really enjoy watching him play. The decision-making might need work. The passing decisions might need a bit of work, but he's got a tremendous amount of talent. Um, has any NHL club ever reached out to you in any capacity to become an NHL scout? If the right opportunity came up down the road, if that is that something you would consider? Uh, so, no. Uh, an NHL club has never reached out to me to work for them. Uh, I have spoken to people who work in that industry, whether it's the NHL or any other professional or junior league, I have spoken to people there, but nothing has bubbled up into a job. Uh, I would do it. That's kind of why I'm doing this. I mean, it would be nice to be able to do that. I'm not holding my breath, but it would be very nice. Um, and I'm not... I, again, I, I just want to be a voice in the room, really. Uh, I love providing information and tracking data and making videos for everyone. Um, but my it would be nice one day to put my money where my mouth is and kind of try to win a friggin', a friggin' Stanley Cup. That's kind of how I've always felt about this. Um, and I'm trying to shoehorn my way in. And even if an NHL team had already spoken to me, I wouldn't say. So maybe they have, and that can be something that you speculate about. Um, but because uh, I'm not, I'm not the type of person to just like spill the beans about you know whatever's been going on. Um, but yeah, like there are conversations that that go on, just you know trying to 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 get a feeler on on stuff. And I think everyone talks to like everyone, um, so I doubt that I'm the only one. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the right opportunity came up, but like if someone called me and said, Hey, we want you to become a scout for the Midwest region in North America. I don't know if I would do that. I don't like that lifestyle. It, 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 it would take away from what I think is a benefit of my work and, and be a lifestyle change for me that might not be the best. Um, so if the right opportunity arose, then yes. But if a team just called me and was like, Hey, we want to keep you in Toronto and so you can be an OHL scout for us and we're going to send you to 300 games a year where you're going to be watching guys between the ages of 15 and 18 uh and compiling dossiers on each one and we want you know 20 players a week for the next you know like that doesn't strike me as what the benefit of my skills are um so it would have to be the right thing but yeah uh nothing nothing yet <laughs> nothing um what do you think of alex cotton and philip crawl alex cotton is a really aggressive offensive defenseman i like him but i question his skating ability um 
and uh, and his decisions like he jumps way into the offensive zone um a lot and goes for the offense a lot and it pays off i mean his numbers are crazy good um let me just pull him up where is he here um like his numbers are pretty darn good uh even strength it's not the not as good but it is still quite good uh he's slowed down a little bit it seems but he's doing quite well you know i think this is a player that gets an overage pick just a team takes a flyer on him but uh i'm not i'm not totally sure i need to see more i just question his mobility and um just the way he approaches the game i just don't know if it's the best for a defenseman a guy who doesn't skate tremendously well but pushes way into the offensive zone a ton um you know i'll take attacking defensemen until the cows come home but you better be sure you can you can you know you better be sure you can you can catch up Uh, oh it looks like i missed a few questions do you consider Kako a bad skater uh no if not why does he appear so sluggish in the nhl again goes back to the rangers thing i have no idea what's wrong just not used to the pace the rigors of the schedule out of shape and what do you think of his shot well his shot's great that that never has been a problem um he's scoring on the power play but boy uh he's a step behind i don't know what's wrong because in the 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 two things that i tried to highlight in the video i made was one he seems like more than just a step behind which is a problem uh and two it seems like he's just um he's not protecting the puck like he did in the liga last year you couldn't get the puck off him he was his hands and his strength on his feet was just incredible it's like he has no confidence. It really feels like he's playing with no confidence, um, trying to be something that he's not. That's kind of where I feel he's at. I don't know how you fix that. Um, from what I can gather, it seems like David Quinn is the coach that the Rangers want through their rebuild. Uh, and maybe he's just the kind of coach where some guys get it and some guys don't. But boy, you really want your second overall pick to be one of the guys who get it because you know and you and your Leas Anderson pick at 7 and your Vitali Kravtsov pick uh at 9 like those you have top 10 picks you better hope that those guys are guys that work within your system uh cuz then you're a bit in a bit of a pickle and Capocacco there was no I there was no if you had told me that he would on paper and I'm going to choose my words carefully on paper when you look at certain analytics if you were to tell me that he was going to be one of the worst players in the league then or at least relative to their team, uh, then I would not have believed you. It would have been crazy to me, uh, especially in his own end. Like, he wasn't great in his own end last year, but um, he wasn't great in his own end last year, but I don't know. Um, yeah, like, look at this. negative. So relative to his team, negative 8% offensively, or relative to the league average, so 8.1% worse offensive danger relative to the league and a 10% in his own end. Like, this is a mess. Like, this is a disaster. Like, you don't want this. The red is bad. Like, he's getting filled in all over the ice when he's on the ice. And it's almost universal. There was a small stretch here where he's playing with Artemi Panarin. So he needs Artemi Panarin to get himself in the positive here. And anywhere else, it's a, it's a mess. So I don't know what's going on. 
I don't. Um, but that's something where you kind of need to fix it. And I don't know how to, I personally, I would have, I would have easily been okay with him being in the AHL to get the year started or back in Finland for a bit, or at least loan him back there after it was pretty clear he wasn't quite ready yet. Um, because I don't know what they're trying to do with him. I don't know what's going on, but that it just isn't ideal. Uh, do you think Newhook should spend another year in college and go to the NHL next season? Uh, he could be a supplementary player for the Avalanche, maybe, but I would always be wary of guys coming out of college right away. Guys like Tyson Yost. Uh, I think that sending him back to college for a year so he can like be a Hobie Baker level player for Boston College, something I think they could use, um, especially if David Cotton leaves, uh, and Spencer Knight, if he leaves, maybe. Uh, then, then maybe that makes sense. I would be patient. Uh, I think Alex Newhook, like going from the BCHL to the NCAA to the NHL in consecutive years is a lot. That's a big couple of jumps. So I would play the waiting game personally. Um, oh, second half of that question, uh, originally about Alex Cotton, uh, Philip Crawl, big fan of Philip Crawl. I like him a lot, uh, quietly effective and has had great metrics at both ends of the ice for two years now three years so he's a player i think should get signed by toronto send him to the marlies because they're gonna start looking a little thin especially once sandin and Liljegren go um he's a guy that i think that you could let develop down there with guys like lindgren uh and, and a couple others theo rochette mm. I'm always wary of guys that go into the season with a lot of hype and then just don't show much during the season. And Theo Rochette, I looked for him to get better and better as the year went on, and he just kind of hasn't. Um, I'm skeptical. Almost everything is negative. Offense relative to his team is negative. Defense relative to his team is negative. He's getting involved on primary points decently. His his, his scoring is, is decent, but... I mean, and I have him ranked towards the back end because I just kind of don't want to not rank him, but I'm skeptical. I'll say that. Who's the best defensive forward in the draft? Probably Anton Lindell. That's a pretty easy one. Um, I would say Anton Lindell. That's a pretty easy one. Uh, Wild reporter Michael Russo has been spreading a rumor on his radio show that Eric Hollow was feuding with Rod Brindamore about playing time, even though he's recovering from knee surgery. According to him, he may be on his way out, and that would be a tragedy if that was true. He's been so good, and I thought that he was a prime candidate for an extension, not his trade bait. Yeah, if that's true, um, that's unfortunate, you know. And that's, I mean, Carolina is a progressive team, and if they're pushing for him to come back, or if he's pressuring them to come back before he's ready to come back, I can see how Carolina would be like, no, 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 that doesn't work here. You come back when we say you're ready. And if he can't come to terms with that, then maybe it's just not a good relationship for him. Um, which kind of is just one unfortunate. Like sometimes things in life just are unfortunate. And I really like Eric Halla. I always have. I just think that if that's the case, if this is what's happening, I personally would trust Rod Brindamore, uh, considering what he's done with that team. And if Eric Halla is sour about it and he wants to come back from an injury before the team thinks he's ready, then then I'm willing to say that if he wants to move on, then he should. Um, and if they want to move him, they have the depth, I think, to make it work. And if a team will pay what he's worth, which I think is decent, then, then he should, then they should do it. Um, but I don't know. 
and and but again like it, it all kind of comes down to based on reputation i kind of would side with carolina and rod brindamore personally um but i don't know i'm not in the i'm not in the room uh how would you rank jarvis neighbors and sort of uh neighbors jarvis neighbors jarvis sort of i'm pretty sure that that's how i would that's how i would do it if i'm not mistaken yes neighbors jarvis sort of and it's pretty close thoughts on alex nikishan big likes to hit has good hands for a guy his size i think you yeah, have him i think i have him in the third round um I think the KHL is a little bit much for him. Yeah, so I have him in the third round. And I, I, I like him, but I'm not... He's not a guy who I'm hoping for massive things out of down the line. But he is pretty decent uh, for, for, for that type of a profile. What's up with Levy Alton in this season? I don't think he's getting a ton of ice time. Um, you know, sometimes also, like, small, speedy guys... Um, you know, sometimes small speedy guys need adjustment time in pro leagues, uh, especially with their own end. But I do believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, so all the, and also all the points he's generated at even strength are, are primary, which is good. So that implies to me that his line mates aren't doing a ton to help him out. Um, oh no, stats, player stats. I'm on the Liga website, just going to pull up, because I la- I think, I could be wrong, but the last time I checked, his possession numbers were actually pretty good. Oh, nope, 44%. Not great. Uh, his PDO is 93.5, which is also not great. Um, so that's, that's not great. Uh, but you know what? Sometimes it just takes time for guys to figure it out. And I've always been a big fan of him. He's getting his shots... Um, and I think that over time he'll, he'll get to where he needs to be, I guess. Cause based on what I saw last year, I really, really liked him. Um, his, his tools are really good. And I think that he's going to be a slow burn. I think that was kind of known last year. His defensive numbers weren't great. Um, and I, I think he'll be fine over time. Do you see Brogan Rafferty having an impact at the NHL level? He's a monster in the Utica with Utica. Well, the thing to remember is he's 25, I think, 24, turning 25. Um, His year has been very good. Um, His track record usually doesn't lend itself to that kind of success, but I don't know. This is why NCAA guys are so I don't know. Like, I don't know what happened with John Marino. I don't know what that's all about. Uh, but Brogan Rafferty, I mean, you know, let's see what happens. I don't know. It, it could be smoke and mirrors. It could not be, but he's a, he's a beast this year at the very least. He's been doing extremely well. Um, oh, he's not on this sheet cause he's too old. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's also 25, so maybe he's an NHL or next year and he goes from there and has a pretty good career. But, uh, I yeah he's he's been good I guess uh, yeah I haven't seen a ton of the AHL but his numbers are f- ridiculous. Um, how do you watch and get footage on European prospects? I get asked that a lot. Uh, there's a there are services that you can use that that are more professional quote unquote um, that that give you access to stuff, but I can't provide it. I can't like it's not public, so I can't 
just share it, but they do exist like NHL teams and, and pro teams and stuff. They use them, use them all the time to, to scout out players and, and see leagues that they usually wouldn't get to see otherwise. So that's kind of how that happened. Um, I can't, I'm, I can't really go further than that. Uh, do you like Jaden Struble this year? I always liked Jaden Struble and I'm glad that he's starting to figure it out. Uh, did you see Pod Colson's first NHL goal? Gee, Ravi must be a must be a Vancouver Canucks fan. Uh, yes, I did. It was a Pod Colson goal. I mean, he's gonna he gets his points from hard work. And the thing I always say is, how far will hard work take him? Because he works his butt off on the ice. But you know, you sit there and look at his zero points, zero points, zero points, zero points. You know, he's been good at the MHL level this year. Uh, I believe that's where he played a bit this year. Um, silly pod Colson. You know, the, the, the question is going to be, is he going to be an extremely good defensive forward or, or something else? Um, like he's improved over last year for sure. He was good at the world juniors from what I saw. I just, I just wonder how far it's going to take him, how, how hard he works and, how how the results just haven't really followed him around. You know, you look at guys who are usually, like Rodion Amirov, if I'm not mistaken, is a point per game in the VHL this year. And he's a few months younger than Pud Colson. Um, yeah, three points in five games. You know, two assists in 21 KHL games. I look at Pud Colson and I go, I see why he's so highly touted, but I he doesn't make it look easy, I guess is what I'm getting at. And that's always been the thing with him. Uh, okay, I got to bang through these here. Uh, thoughts on Noel Gundler? It seems I've heard less about him lately and was hoping the Rangers would take him if he's there around 10. Yeah, so Noel Gundler is extremely good and anyone putting him in the second round is a dang fool. Uh, that's all I really have to say about him. He's very, very good. Very talented hockey player. Uh, I don't know what the deal is with not liking him or whatever, but yeah. Uh, also, K. Andre Miller also regressing a bit since last season. Well, it's always really hard to sustain being as good as he was last year, um, but I would say there's a bit of a reg- regression. I also think that last year he was kind of outperforming expectations. You know, it's like it's like in a year if we see Laurie Payuniemi kind of regress back to normal. Was was people were people overhyping him this year, or is he? underperforming what he's capable of next year like I don't know but with Keandre Miller I found that his year last year was extremely good and I didn't really expect it to be that good so to have it kind of take a step back this year kind of makes sense in a way looking back on it um obviously I hoped that he would have taken a step and and gotten even better um but it's really hard to sustain being really really good and uh I think that he just kind of you know, just kind of whatever. He might just be having an off year, uh, but he also might just be regressing. What's your ideal overtime format for the National Hockey League? Do you like five minute three on three? No, uh, I don't like five minutes three on three. Do you like the shootout? I would rather have a world where the the three on three is 10 minutes long. And if you don't like it, build teams that are better for three on three overtime. Put more skilled players who can skate on your hockey team. Why would... If you have a three-on-three where the game is on the line, why would you not 
put like why if you have players on your bench where you're not comfortable at three on three with them on the ice what difference does it make between that and say five on five you you have half of teams roll two lines usually for five minutes at three on three you have a whole that's four forwards and two defense maybe you roll three lines that's six forwards and three defense that's half of your team you're playing half of your team in overtime so if you extend it to 10 minutes oh no you have to think of more three on three combinations oh no you have to think of more fast skilled players to play uh and the game is more exciting it just seems like a cultural reason to not make a change that would make the game way better and uh shootouts are dumb I think that they should just do away with it and just say, you win or you lose. That's it. Do it like the NBA. Because you end up with teams, uh, like it's a good thing. It's a good point that I think I heard on Steve Dangle's podcast where the Bruins have 12 overtime losses, I think. Um, The Bruins have 12 overtime losses through 51 games. That's six wins worth of points for losing. That to me is insane, and that makes a big difference because that's the difference. But they're tied in point; they're tied in wins with the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Panthers are one behind them, but the but they're up by eight points. That doesn't that doesn't really make sense to me. So I just don't think it's the best system. And things like three point systems, I don't think change it enough. Uh, I would say ten minute three on three force coaches to play more players in three on three and do away with the shootout and just make it wins and losses call it a day that's my vote in terms of advanced stats do right-handed goaltenders have better numbers than lefties Ooh, uh i don't know and the mr freeze quote you're not sending me to the cooler yeah good i like i like that any batman and robin reference and i'm in uh i don't know right-handed goaltenders better than lefties there aren't very many Everyone's a lefty, right? There are not many right-handed goaltenders, so I don't even know if the samples would be big enough. Um, Ravi Agman again. What's up? Uh, some metrics have a slight nudge to Hughes over McCarr as an overall defenseman, although McCarr is currently better offensively. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think Quinn Hughes also has similar shortcomings defensively at even strength, at least for my viewing, but that mostly comes down to just kind of not being, you know, uh, not having as much time to train to be in the NHL, like physically, I mean. Not saying he needs to be like an absolute beefcake on the ice, but it, he gets like rubbed off pucks in his own end a little bit too much. Uh, if he chases down a defender in the corner, a, a four checker in the corner, he kind of is a not a step behind at all, which is probably the most important thing, but he kind of just doesn't make contact with the puck a little bit too much and he's kind of easy to brush off. Uh, but that's something that you can work on, especially with someone as mobile and smart as him. Um, I, I really love both players. I think Makar is a more, I think Makar is a more dangerous offensive player because I think there's, you know, there's more, you know, and I'm trying to choose my words carefully here because I know Canucks fans adore Quinn Hughes and they should, but I find Quinn Hughes is a much, uh, more cerebral offensive player. Like he can do a lot of things but he doesn't do it with a lot of urgency which is all it's just that's fine but with kale mccarr it's like he'll explode off the blue line and cut in and and keep you on your toes way more than than what i see quinn hughes doing quinn hughes in transition 
maybe doesn't have the attack speed that, say, a Kale McCarr does, but he's shifty, so he'll fake one way and go another, and then he'll do, like, little things that, you know, can can keep defenses on their toes, which, to get controlled zone transitions, you kind of need to do, um, and I think he does that really, really well. So it's kind of two sides of a very uh, good player profile. Personally, when I watch both play, I don't know which one I would rather take on my team. I probably lean Kale McCarr because of that explosivity, because of that unpredictability in the offensive zone. But guys like Kale McCarr, or guys like Quinn Hughes don't grow on trees at all, and that was a dope pick uh, for the for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, what are your opinions on Igor Sokolov? Really weird prospect putting up crazy points, but I heard he's a bad skater and that's why he hasn't been drafted. Yeah, he is not a great skater. Um, but uh, he, he's not a great skater, but his hands are ridiculous and his shot is really, really good. Um, um, he, yeah, so he puts up insane numbers. I can imagine he gets a late flyer. I don't know if a team would do it, but I could see it happening. Teams are spooked by guys who don't skate well, and he's very big, doesn't skate particularly well, uh, and plays in a league where defense is a little bit more on the optional side, um, and he can kind of have his way with that league a little bit easier. But you know what? The numbers are the numbers, and even if he doesn't get drafted, he's a guy who probably will get a look in, in camp. There were apparently some reasons why he didn't get drafted last year based on the interview process and, and what teams were hearing about him. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but that's kind of what I heard and that he was on a bunch of no draft lists. Um, but production is production. And, uh, you know, he went to the World Juniors and I thought he looked pretty good there too. So we'll see. There's a lot of really good talented players on Cape Breton who also helped make him look really good. Um, but, you know, outside of his skating, which is a pretty big negative, he's he's got talent. Uh... Thoughts on Jacob Perot? I gotta hurry up here. This is running really long. Uh, I really like Jacob Perot. Really good at both ends of the ice. Really mobile. Um, let me just double check that I'm. Yeah. So <laughs> his team isn't great, but I'm a really big fan of Jacob Perot. Really dangerous at both ends of the ice. Devastating on the power play. Um, really, you know, when he's playing. So the thing that kind of gives me comfort, his involvement at even strength when goals are scored. Uh, 72.5% are primary points and 77.5% are all points. So that implies to me that his line mates aren't doing a tremendous amount to 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 help him out. Um, and, and his defensive play, whatever. Like, his whole team is not great in their own end. But every time I've watched him play, I've come away really, really impressed. And he might be a guy that slips because of his team or whatever, but he's legit, I think. Um, who should the Red Wings target with their... F- two round first two round or with their two second round picks dude i don't know it depends on who's available uh that's kind of the whole thing i don't know um ask me in june when the draft is happening and maybe uh i'll be able to give you a better idea there's a lot of really good players they could go out and get though um like if casper simontoval is there in the second round i could see them doing that since they did antituomisto last year Yoni Yermo might be a good second round pick for them last year just to get him uh, like they did with Tuimisto last year. Uh, they really like those college guys. Maybe a Sean Farrell. Uh, they went with Mastro Simone last year. 
Um, maybe they want to swing the pendulum to the other side and go with the more Moritz Sider physical type players. Uh, maybe if a, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of him, but if a Tyler Cleveland is in there, maybe he's a guy that they go for. Um, Brock Faber could be in there as well. Again, not the direction I would go, but that might be something they do to make me look silly. Um, but yeah, uh, there's, there's tons, there's tons and tons of them, and I'm sure that they're going to do just fine. Uh, sorry for asking so many questions. No, man, it's okay. It's all good. Do you like the lottery as is? Uh, did you prefer automatically making the draft order the standings? Uh, okay. So I would, someone asked me this a while ago and I showed what my methodology was. Uh, my thought was to make the bottom five teams, I think odds all even, and then the rest not the same. Um, I don't, I, I think I did some work where I saw that usually in the NHL, there's like between two and four really bad teams. And I don't want to incentivize teams to be in that group just to get better lottery odds. I think instead I want to see a team that just had a bad year, say the fifth worst team in the league, sixth worst team in the league, maybe, uh, and have them have a much better shot uh, at moving up in the lottery and have all the really terrible teams just be like, okay, you guys are all in this bucket of awful, so you get this odd of winning, and the rest gets divvied out amongst teams that were just not that terrible. And, you know, some teams might be happy and up or upset with that by either meeting that threshold or not, but no matter what, people are going to be unhappy. Um, and I still think that, you know, I'm a fan of chaos. The other thing I would do is all all 16 picks become lottery picks. So you just, you know, start from the top and say, okay, here's who has the 16th pick. And it could be the team with the with the best odds in the draft, for all you know. Um, so, because then that really disincentivizes you from tanking, because you very well could, it's very unlikely, but you could fall from, say, the top odds to dead last. And that would be insane, uh, but... Yeah. In terms of making it completely random or just following the standings, I don't think it should do that really at all. Uh, one thing that I know is that the Canes have been scouting Colin Miller, particularly with Dougie's freak injury. Uh, maybe there's a deal. Maybe. I, I Maybe you're right. Uh, Hala for Colin Miller, because Colin Miller's not playing really, and, and I think he still deserves a shot. He's been good, I guess. Um, I've always, I, I, there was a period where I really liked him, and uh, I, I don't know what happened. Maybe he just wasn't that good, but I pretty sure I thought he was pretty good and his numbers were pretty good. Um, and it just feels like he just needs to reset and just play because Buffalo went out and got a billion defensemen and he was just kind of the odd one out. I don't know. Uh, if a team drafts someone higher than you projected, do you go back and see if you missed anything? And has this ever changed your mind when it comes to evaluating prospects? Uh, yeah, it happens. Um, it happens with players where I might have, them in the same sort of tier but they're drafted let's say the at the top end of that tier where i had them at the bottom uh like anti tuomisto last year was drafted really high and when i went and looked i i, I could see the argument um robert mastro simone was one that was drafted higher than i thought and looking back i feel like an idiot he should have been way higher than than i had him um for sure like a hundred percent uh like, but then there are situations where Edmonton, for example, taking Philip Broberg, I'm sitting there and I'm going, I don't, I saw him play a lot last year and I don't need to really think about this again. He, if he hits his ceiling, then yeah, it makes sense. It 
certainly makes sense, but I don't see the likelihood of that being very high. So using a sixth overall pick, considering who was available, especially on a team that desperately still needs offense like the Oilers, um, you know, like I'm imagining Connor McDavid feeding pucks to Cole Caulfield for the next 10 years of my life. And I just don't know how you say no to that, especially with how infectious Cole Caulfield's personality is in a, like that to me would have made tremendous amounts of sense. Even a Trevor Zegris playing second line for 10 years behind, uh, Connor McDavid is terrifying, like terrifying to me. And they didn't, they're hoping that Broberg works out and he's been solid this year. I just don't, I just didn't quite see it. So it's kind of a mix. It depends. And maybe that's a bit, you know, I like to pat myself on the back kind of thing, but I don't know. I, I try if there's a, I try to, if there's a really weird scenario, but if I've seen the players a lot and I know kind of how I feel about it, I kind of say, okay, maybe I feel like the team made a mistake. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. I hope, I hope that helps. Uh, hi, Will. Have you seen Oscar Telstrom? Oh no, the secret's out. Oh God. Well, I'm glad someone named Will mentioned it first. Oscar Telstrom is fun. Uh, he's playing in the third division men's league in Sweden on a brutal hockey team. Uh, Vunus HC. Uh, um, okay. I really also got to bang through these last questions. I'm losing my voice here. So he's playing against men. Keep in mind, he's well over 45% involvement. Um, I scaled down my conversion factor as much as I could. And he still shows up pretty well. Uh, cause this is a men's league and like, how much worse is that league than, say, the Finnish Mesties? It's not great. Like, from what I've seen of that league, the hockey's not great. Um, Vunus, Vunus uh, posts all their games on their website as well, so you can go watch them uh, if, you, if you pay. You can watch the full games, but you can also go and watch highlights. He's a he's legit, I think. I think he gets drafted. Uh, I think he should get drafted. He's a skilled, speedy guy in a league where most guys are not super fast. Uh I there are rumors that he's going to get transferred to Lulio. Uh, I imagine there was also a news story on Venus's website that he was invited to their under 18 camp. Um, so there's a chance he's on the under 18 team this year. He's extremely young. I think he's a September or August kid. So he has tons of time to develop. Uh, if he does go to Lulio, that's a big step in the right direction for him. Uh, I've liked what I've seen out of him. I, I have him on my watch list. I don't know where to really rank him, um, but he is very good from what I've seen. It's just a hard thing to get a read on because he doesn't play international tournaments yet, uh, and he's playing in a very low-visibility league on a team that is not good. Um, but his two-way numbers also are remarkably good compared to his team. I think he was a plus eight, and most of his team was like minus... 10 i'll have to pull up i actually did the math myself um so he is so his goals four percentage was 65 percent during the regular season before his team got eliminated uh and then his relative goals four percentage is 28.5 so that's pretty good um for a kid for a 17 year old playing with men uh in sweden so he might be a guy that 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 gets drafted really high and everyone goes who is this person um well here he is uh 
damn, there goes my... That, he was my dirty little secret for a little while there. I was keeping him as much to myself as I could. Brian. Oh, this question has sass. Cool. Why do you always Google players' names when you're looking them up? Do you not have elite prospects bookmarked by now? I would need to go to the bookmark and wait for the page to load and then search the player's name anyway. So I would just search the player's name in Google. Elite Prospects pops up first because I go to that website about 80 times a day. And uh, it's it's technically less work. Type the name, click the link, as opposed to click the link to the website, type the name, click the name to go to the page on the website. So ha, there you go. Uh, last question from Jesse. How difficult is it for right-hand defensemen to switch to the left side? Uh, some Ranger fans are suggesting we convert D'Angelo or Fox to the left because of the right-hand logjam. It's tough now in the NHL, I think. Um, I went over it in the Fensori video since he plays right defense a lot, or he did last year. And, like, retrieving pucks on your backhand is not easy. Uh, retrieving pucks on your backhand and putting it onto your forehand on the right side of the ice is something you need a lot of finesse to do, especially at the pace of the NHL. You don't see it a whole lot. Um, you know what? Tony D'Angelo has come enough of a ways on the ice where you can try it and see what happens. I wouldn't do it to Adam Fox, especially since he's a rookie. Like, he's having a promising rookie season, so I don't know why you'd go to him and be like, we're going to take you and put you on the other side of the ice all of a sudden. Um, welcome to the NHL, but we think you're good enough to do it, so good luck, bye. And I don't think I would do that. And I also don't think that Adam Fox is like, that good enough of a skater to do that like that maybe it's something he can do long term but maybe you try it with tony d'angelo worst case scenario you know what you've got with him on the other side so you move him back um i just wouldn't do it with wouldn't do it with fox uh xenome project on non-canes matters why has winnipeg been so damn stagnant on defense no wonder their season is going down the toilet who do you trade and what do you get right like you need to have a dance partner Everyone knows Winnipeg needs defense. If I'm a general manager and Kevin Sheveldayoff calls me and says, I want a defenseman, I'm going to take him to the cleaners. And I don't think he's the kind of person who likes to be taken to the cleaners just to fix an issue on his team, uh, even if it's that much of an issue. Um, you know, and, and yeah, Kevin Sheveldayoff is conservative, but I don't think he's stupid. I think he's well aware of what's going on. Uh, and I'm sure he's well aware that Connor Hellebuck is carrying his team, but you need to have a dance partner, and your dance partner's going to want stuff from you in return. And when you look at Winnipeg's prospect pipeline, like Christian Veselainen, he's a guy. I don't know if he's carrying a ton of value, whether or not he's worth what he might be valued at. Uh, Leon Gavanka has been doing really well, but no one really knows who that is. No one's going to jump at the chance to to pick him up in a trade especially for a defenseman to give them something that they need. Um, you know, maybe they go out and try to get someone out of like a Mike green, like an out of Detroit type of pending free agent just to try something and you can get them for a pick or something. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Have you checked out defenseman Landon Kozier of, of Prince Albert a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I saw a bit over the last couple of weeks um, I don't know what I see. I, um, I, I mean, he skates really well for sure. I just don't, 
I, you know, like his involvement on points when he's on the ice is below average. His involvement is poor. His even strength involvement is not good. Um, good defensive suppressor though, which is nice. I just feel like he's a player that I think is going to, someone's going to take a flyer on him and I'll see the name pop up on the list and I'll go, Oh, okay. Well, there he goes. And maybe he's a thing, but I'm not sure that there's enough there. Uh, there's just a lot of talent in this year's draft that it makes it really hard for me to, to, to say, let's take a flyer on this defenseman. Who's, who's well behind, uh, the, the trends. He is very young for sure. And I believe it's his first year in the WHL. Yes. Um, but you know what? He skates well for sure. And if you want to bet on that, then by all means go nuts. Um, but he just doesn't strike me as a long-term, uh, great bet, but I'm willing to be wrong. And it also depends on where he, like if it's the sixth or seventh round and like everyone I like is gone, then he's a guy that I certainly would look at. Um, I like right-handed defensemen who can move around the ice like he can, and he works hard when he's out there. Uh, but doesn't inspire a tremendous amount of confidence, even considering how young he is. Um, Anyway, I got to call it for that, guys. It's been two hours and eight minutes. Oh, my God. Uh, you guys are too good at this, and I can't keep up. I should probably keep my, sh- my answers shorter if I don't want it to run so long, but such is life. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. This was lovely. Uh, next week, we're going to be back doing it again. Um, there will be one weekend where or one week where it's not on Wednesday. I will check on that. But in any case... Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll look at that and you'll know, you'll find out. Um, thank you very much for joining me. This was lovely. Uh, as always, we'll be back next week. It'll be great. Um, as, as, as it always is, as long as you guys are all there, you know, just bring all your friends. It's going to be a great time. Good party. Uh, this will be out as a podcast tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Thank you very much for watching. Um, click all the buttons down below me if you are not a subscriber yet um, there's all kinds of other goodies down there if you want to go check out everything else that we do the whole world out there ready to be explored um, so thank you very much and we will see you next week <laughs>